This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 54, an interview on the state of CFD today, along with ANSYS-related news and events. Welcome to our first podcast for 2020. My name is Eric Miller, and I'm one of the owners here at PADT. 2019, which just ended, was a special year for PDT. It was, as you as you know, if you've listened to the podcast, our 25th anniversary, and we enjoyed celebrating that with all of you. And uh, it was also, from the ANSYS side of things, the most new ANSYS customers that we've ever added in a single year. So we continue to add new users and new companies across the southwestern United States, and glad to have all of them and all of you involved in our journey here in the ANSYS world. And I'll, one last time, I'll mention how excited I am about the LS9 acquisition. Looking forward to 2020, which I'm still having trouble saying. 2020, 2020. <laughs> Questions that will be answered. Who will ANSYS acquire next? Uh, what new features will change the way we do simulation? Will I be using 5G on my cell phone at some point? Not, not the 5G that just puts the logo up in the corner, but real high bandwidth 5G. Uh, very excited to, to see that. Uh, of course, a lot of ANSYS tools used in the development of the 5G network that's being installed all over the place. And uh, please do stay subscribed to this podcast to see see us see us through. Come with us on the journey of what is going to be 2020, and see the world through the uh, ANSYS tinted lenses that we watch it through. Um, and I'm going to talk uh, podcast statistics after the interview. And to speak of the interview, uh, back in July, I was the guest of a person named Robin Knowles, who hosts a podcast in the UK called CFD Today. As the name implies, it's about CFD. And um, I never had a time after that was recorded to uh, share it on our podcast. Uh, and um, here it's the beginning of the year, and we're still waiting for ANSYS 2020 R1 to come out. So we've, we actually have an open spot. So I thought we would edit that thing up and stick it in here in the middle of this podcast. So please do enjoy my discussion with Robin, where he's going to ask me some questions and we're going to talk about CFD. Welcome back to another episode of Talking CFD. And today I'm joined by Eric Miller fellow podcaster and one of the co-founders of Simulation Experts, PADT. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, thanks for having me. No trouble. Now, I know that PADT stands for Phoenix Analysis and Design Technologies. I know that you guys do more than just CFD and that you've been doing it for a while, but I don't know too much more than that. So uh, can you bring me or us up to speed on PADT today before we yeah. wind back to the beginning? What, 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 yeah, does, what it, do you guys look like today? It's it's uh, the biggest problem we have is telling people what we do. The answer is everything. Uh, so so we focus on we have three different divisions. The, the first is focused on simulation, and we do full physics. We do CFD, uh, mechanical, structural, all that stuff. We do high frequency electromagnetics. We do some piezoelectric, and we kind of combine them all together in, in multi physics. And we do consulting for that. And then we're also a channel partner for ANSYS in that area. And then the next area is our design group, where we do full product development for folks from start to finish. Um, early, Our favorite thing to do is early stage conceptual stuff, um, because you don't have to necessarily get it right. You just get to have fun. And then <laughs> uh, well, we'll take it all the way to production for the customer and help them through production. And then our third group is focused on 3D printing. 
And we're a Stratasys reseller, as well as a service provider for 3D printing. So we have about 13 machines, and we make all sorts of plastic parts, and we're starting to make metal parts. So we basically kind of do whatever a, mechan- a company that produces products needs to do, uh, but real focus on simulation, 3D printing, and kind of advanced design. Does sort of simulation span all those different areas, though? You kind of doing simulation uh, around the 3D printing as well, and, and kind of fully integrated yeah, starting to do that. It's It's been something we've wanted to do for some time. Uh, we haven't really had good tools for simulating uh, the whole 3D printing process or even the parts when they come out. It's been kind of a pain in the butt. But uh, over the last three or four years, we've really started to do more and more of that. And, and that really is a differentiator. What we tell people is, you know, we're a company that can do all three of those things. So if we're doing design for you, we've got some of the best simulation people in the world just in the cubicle next door and we've got in-house 3d printing as well um and and vice versa we we often make models of things we do 3d printing of um or that we do a simulation of at the end they go well can you you know you change the design can you can you print it and we yeah we can do that so um it's it's a lot of fun to do all three and and kind of our origin story is uh, the reason why we started, why we do these three things um, is not necessarily just a lack of discipline, but it's also <laughs> that's that's what we all did 25 years ago when we started the company. So um, the, th- the three of us that started the company worked at what's now Honeywell Engines. Uh, it was at the time Allied Signal, and they make the Garrett turbine engines and Garrett turbochargers, as well as air research uh, equipment as well. And um, we were doing internal consulting. We did simulation. We did design. We did 3D printing for the rest of the company as kind of an internal consulting group. And we decided that we would start a company based upon those three technologies, which back in 1994 were very new, very unproven, um, and, and very rare as well. So we thought we would build a company around those three technologies. And here we are today still doing them. Yes, I mean, I'm imagining things have changed quite a lot over that time. But I mean, obviously, there was some buy-in when you were an internal group. Was it difficult to kind of net those first customers, get some, find some believers? Yeah, yeah. It, it internally, um, it was really hard when we were still working within Allied Signal. Um, you know simulation costs a lot of money and not necessarily gave you the right answer. And most of the project leaders had paid for simulation and not got anything out of it. So they were kind of against it. The 3d printing was easy. 3d printing's always been easy to get people to go for it. Cause it's just so cool. Okay. Uh, and then advanced design, you know, we were still doing, when I started, we were still doing 2d drawings and we were really pushing 3d solid modeling and then parametric solid modeling. That's kind of where we were on the leading edge was the whole idea of building these parametric solid models of turbine engine components. And and that was a very much an uphill battle. We started the company even more so because aerospace was starting to adopt it, but outside of aerospace, it was very much a 2D world. It was very much a build and bust, no prototyping, no simulation. Um, and so, yeah, it was, a, it was a long, long haul. It took about five years before we kind of established ourselves outside of the turbo machinery business. Um, and then it's just been growing since then. Is that still a, a core element of the, the, the business, though, the turbo machinery? Yeah, small turbo machinery, not necessarily oh, okay. the big guys. Yeah, the big guys have their own capabilities, right? So they don't they don't need us anymore. <laughs> what we do for them um, is we write software to uh, customize some of their processes. We do training, we do mentoring, we do support. Uh, every once in a while, we'll get an overflow job from them, but uh, they're they're pretty well taken care of. They don't need to outsource too much. Um, but uh, so where we do a lot of turbo machinery these days and, and, and where we apply a lot of our CFD is small blowers and pumps. 
Okay. Um, and so really taking that experience from a high efficiency side and taking uh, a product that's just not quite there from a performance standpoint and getting that performance where the customer needs it. So are we talking turbochargers, small gas turbines, that sort of thing? Or? Uh, uh, a little bit of that, but mostly uh, moving air Gases like hydrogen for fuel cells. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, um, uh, we've dabbled a little bit in some aerospace applications, which I can't talk about. Yeah. But we're moving fluids around ag- again, um, and uh, the efficiency is there. We've even done um, some custom pumps for um, the gasoline or the petrol in your in your world uh, business. So there was a, a guy that that wanted to put the tanks much deeper in the ground. So he needed a bigger pump basically. And uh, we, we designed that for him and pat, it's actually a patented thing. And now he sells them to uh, truck stops around the world that, that want to bury their tanks deeper. So what would you say the, the kind of the split is at the moment between sort of project work where somebody might come to you with a, a discrete thing that they want fixing and kind of a, where you are somebody's sort of R and D group, if you like. Yeah, it's about it's about fifty fifty on the design side, where um, where we're we're about half the time we're kind of doing their R and D, and the rest of the half the time they've got an existing design, and we're just kind of figuring out how to make it better. Or find a lot of times it's finding the problem. Uh, a lot of our simulation work is that area. We've got. Um, a couple projects now where uh, they're complicated thermodynamic issues that are CFD and structural and thermal and uh, the performance just isn't there. So being able to see inside with simulation, we're able to help the, the company understand why the performance isn't where it is. Although I haven't done a lot of work in that particular world, I'm guessing that uh, in a lot of circumstances that the problem isn't necessarily exactly what they thought it was in the first place. It's we're almost always wrong. Yeah, <laughs> they're wrong. We're wrong, and, and and it's always some sort of a a swirl or a turbulence or a pressure distribution that you just didn't expect. And and th- these a couple of these recent applications have involved combustion as well as uh, pumping and things. And so you know, understanding how things are mixing um, pre and post ignition is not intuitive. Um, and that's what we're finding. So it's got a lot of fun. We get to play with baffles and things and fix these problems and much easier to do a simulation than test. It also doesn't sound like the, what you might call low hanging fruit. This sounds like, um, you've got to the, uh, you've got to the trickier to pluck stuff. It's getting, uh, it's getting complicated up there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the software, as you know, has gotten so much better that users are capable. You don't have to be a full-time simulation person or have a PhD to do CFD anymore, right? You can, you can really get good answers. Uh, the tools across the board from high to low end are, are so much more easier to use. Um, so we're not seeing those problems. And when we do, I'll be honest with you, every once in a while I want to come in and we're like, yes, this looks, this is, this is easy. This, we're going to knock this out of the ballpark. The geometry is the problem. The reason why they outsourced it is they couldn't get the geometry right. So we'll spend two thirds of the time trying to mesh the dang thing. Um, and, and sometimes not, I think the only time we failed on a CFD job in the last five years has been, we could never get the whole thing meshed. Um, it was a gigantic, um, let's just call it a science experiment, um, that they were trying to replicate, um, and do CFD on the cooling for this giant science experiment. And we could just never get it good enough 
You know, there's a classic problem of tiny little features and a huge part. Yeah, absolutely. And Scale. It just within the yeah within the resources of what were available to us and them, we just could never get it to go. Um, so we ended up simplifying the problem and solving it, but we could never get the big thing to go. Cue loads of meshing software vendors contacting you uh, <laughs> yeah. um, after the show. Yes, I, they can they can give it a try. It's a it's a great test case. <laughs> What kind of split do you have now between people working on problems like that and then people putting um, workflows and processes together to, to kind of improve efficiency of the actual CFD as opposed to a part or, or a design? Yeah, in our, in our consulting team, I would say at any given time, we're about, we got about 30% of our work is uh, automation or process improvement. Um, I'd like it to be more. We, we actually like those projects. We like writing software. We like you know, getting deep and, and teaching the customer to fish, you know, and giving them that tool that lets them be more efficient. And so at any given time, like right now, I think we've got two projects going in that area. Uh, and they're both, ironically, uh, turbo machinery. Right oh, okay. Now. So we're helping, helping people uh, streamline that process of, of modeling that uh, complicated geometry quickly. Yeah, because within a given company or something like that, you tend to find that people do a lot of the same thing. So there's there, there's definite benefits to be gained from, from putting those processes in place. Um, it also sounds a little bit like your, I mean, the, the sort of things that you're working with, it doesn't sound like I can't think of a tool off the top of my head that would do all of those things. So do you spend a lot of your time um, making tools talk to each other? Yeah, we. Let, I mean, that's all we used to do. In fact, my whole rise to—I uh, I won't say fame—but I got recognized early in my career because of my ability to cook tools together, um, and that's all we did. Right? We wrote our own code to do everything, um, uh, other than the solver. Um, we had to hook everything up. Uh, now, not so much. Um, what we spend most of our time doing is automating on top of the existing tools. So as as an Ansys reseller, that's generally fluent on the CFD side. If it's turbo machinery, it's CFX. Um, and so we're writing things on top of them. Um, even on the multi-physics side, uh, it pretty much handles the interaction between tools fairly well now. So the days of uh, you know writing all this Python code to string everything together, un- unfortunately fading because I really enjoyed doing it. <laughs> but good, good, good from a productivity standpoint. We don't have to do that anymore. So it's it's less and less of an issue. Um, yeah, we're what we're really looking at doing is is automating the process uh, using the existing tools and don't have to write as much as we used to. Um, the only area that we're still doing that is every once in a while we get a project where we're combining test and simulation. Okay. So taking test data from a rig or something um, and then giving a tool to the product engineer that they can take uh, CFD from their CFD expert and test data from their test guy and combine the two and then tweak the CFD till it matches the test data. And that that's a lot of fun. And that that requires a lot of stringing together code, which is... Oh, you want to get it you're in the middle of that fight, are you? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, this customer decided the test is right, so <laughs> we okay. didn't have to. The customer's always that. right. Yeah, the customer's always right. We're like, I think the CFD is actually right, but oh well. <laughs> I suppose one of the good things these days is if you wait around long enough, Ansys will buy the, the functionality, you buy a new tool in, or develop something new that uh, that'll it'll do what you need anyway. 
It, it, it certainly has happened. You know, we ran into that uh, most recently on icing. Okay. So we were we were helping customers do ice build up. Yeah, ice build up, and and uh, we were using we were doing like like you said, we were hooking together FenSap, which was kind of the leading code for that to Ansys. And then uh, all of a sudden, they're very good about not sharing that they're acquiring somebody. So we had no idea. <laughs> Next FenSap meeting, uh, we're part of Ansys now. So you guys don't have to work on this anymore. <laughs> it's going to be built in. We're like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, they, they if there's if the customers really need it, they will do that, and they and they certainly have been on an acquisition binge lately. Uh, but more on the electronic side recently, so it hasn't impacted us as much. But you guys are not developing sort of in-house solvers and things like that. Last solver we did was a really specialized thermal solver that we probably could have gotten an open source one, but we just decided we'd write our own so we didn't have to deal with it. Um, finite difference. But yeah, uh, in general, we're hardly, we hardly ever do any kind of solver design anymore. Any company that's been around long enough, there's a, uh, there's a, a solver writing project somewhere buried deep in the, uh, in the archives. Yeah. Or a mesher. Uh, a lot of our guys um, on the CFD side have solvers from their PhD. Um, and I know they've got them on their machines. They don't admit to it, but I know they're sitting on there somewhere. Because um, I know the, the Fortran compiler gets used every once in a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, the, my favorite is, um, you know, we have Ping Golf here in town. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they okay. make uh, golf balls and golf clubs yep. and stuff. And and they do. They're actually owned by a former turbo machinery aerospace engineer. Oh, really? And so yeah, yeah. The guy that started the company was a golfer who also worked for GE. And um, so they apply a lot of high end. They've always applied a lot of high end engineering. And there's a lot of PhD theses from Arizona State University that have done some great CFD on golf balls and golf clubs and some really cool, you know, spinning ball with dimples on it traveling through the air stuff and so a couple of our our uh, cfd users um that's how they learned cfd was on a cartesian code that they used to do that and it's pretty cool stuff yeah sometimes the uh the, the internal codes the highly specialized things in some of these places really are quite impressive yeah what it's able to do and solve um and this was before gpus i think they're rewriting it right now um to to, to use the gpus they're going to be able to do some pretty amazing stuff just somebody needs to lever it out of there yeah um, so I mentioned that uh, you guys have been doing this for a while. Is it your 25th anniversary uh-huh. this year? Yes, it was. Yeah, I can't believe it. I only aged 15 years in that 25 yeah, years because of relativity, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so back in the uh, back in the early days, was it was it just the three of you did you say? Yeah, there were there was there was there was a fourth person that that lasted a little while. It was the small business was not their thing, so oh, okay. so they they parted early, and then yeah, it was just us, and we we used our former coworkers as uh, as uh, night uh, workers. We kind of used them oh, to okay. fill in the gaps and and earn a little bit extra money for the first year or two, and then and then we hired our first employees, and uh, it's kind of hard to remember all that, but yeah. We started very. I used to do almost all the simulation myself back then, um, and uh, I don't know if I could do anything more than teach a class today. <laughs> if I had to do a real model, it would be tough. 
I'm thinking in those days it would have been, would it have been an in-house compute as well? Yeah. So we were really lucky in that we had built good relationships with a lot of hardware vendors uh, when, we, when they were trying to sell to this large corporation called Allied Signal. And uh, when we started the company, they were really nice. They sold us, they didn't give us anything, but they sold us their demo boxes. So we had an HP, about a two-year-old HP, uh, HP UX workstation, and two SGI irises, uh, which you know, are slower than probably, you know, my watch. But at the time, those were pretty high-end boxes, and I think we paid like 10K each for them. Um, it was before the Pentium came out. So that's what changed everything is when, when Intel came out with the Pentium, um, the PCs became, we started shifting to the PC. At least with the SGIs, if you pick them up, you felt like you were buying something by the pound. <laughs> exactly. You felt like you were buying something by the pound, and it had that cool flight simulator, which we, we did spend yes. a lot of time before we had customers playing with. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, those machines were way ahead of their time. They had video. They had audio. Um, but it was all proprietary, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, early, early internet. Um, days. We weren't really doing any work on the internet, but we were starting to get email and things like that. And, you know, it all kind of, we didn't really pay much attention to it. It just kind of happened. And next thing you know, we're buying uh, Pentium 2 boxes for $2,000 that are twice as fast as the yeah. SGI. And it, we never really looked back. So do you guys still do most of your um, compute in-house? We have until this year. Um, okay. This year we we so we've been using a company called Nimbix. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a there's about three out there. I think Rescale's another one. Um, they um, and then Ansys has their own cloud solution which runs in Azure. Um, the problem has always been that these cloud providers just don't get HPC. No. So I'm um, running on a web server that's got a virtual machine on it. And it just wasn't working. So they finally figured that out. Um, and uh, Nimbix, Nimbix has really got some really nice hardware. Um, and we have some customers that run on some of the other places. We've been we've been testing the the Ansys cloud. It's been working really well as well. So um, I think I think we've bought our last large cluster. Uh, ah, that's interesting. Yeah, for now, you know these these pendulums swing back and forth. Yes. Um, the the nice thing is we can probably run eighty percent of our CFD on our desktop machine. Okay. It's like a like maybe an eight eight core box or maybe a ten core box where we use eight cores, load it with as much memory as we can. Most of the CFD we do we can run on that. Um, then we got what we call desk side servers where we'll have maybe forty eight cores. And the vast majority of our work will run on that. But when we need to go bigger than that or we need a faster turnaround, now we're, we're going to go to the cloud, um, which is we built a server room that's really pretty and it shows great on our tour. But I think there's like four boxes left in it. It's just a giant empty rack. Loads of flashing lights. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, the lights are all gone now. There's like four oh. lights flashing now. So I, I don't know what we're going to do to that. It's the coolest room in the building. So maybe I'll just move in there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, our, our times of, uh, you know, the pendulum will swing back and forth. And then on the structural and the uh, electromagnetic side, the desktop uh, servers or workstations are plenty powerful. That's something that's particularly changed over the uh, over the time. Over, let's be honest, twenty five years. It's not that long, is it? If you uh, no. and and the the change is amazing. Yeah, and it's been mostly. I mean, the the software's changed immensely, but. Uh, you know, I never thought we'd have these GPUs for twenty five hundred bucks that basically double the speed of my solves. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just amazing. So um, we're we've been running on a Nimbix, uh, a couple of Nimbix machines recently that have I think they've got two GPUs on them, and the turnaround time is just incredible. Um, 
It's and the CFD codes are scaling well on these, not not so much on the GPU, but on the multiple cores. And we're starting to see them take advantage of the GPU. The mechanical tools scale really well on the GPU, um, and we've been really having fun with that. Oh, don't tell me that. I, I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like they're having all the good stuff. And, and well, well, scaling well means you know on this on the uh, on the CFD side we're linear to like God, what is it now? Like three thousand cores or something like that. More than um, I've got. Yeah, on the structural side, um, you know, we're linear to twelve, I think. And then if we, if we throw a GPU on, we can get some good performance up to like forty cores. That's it. That's when it stops. So they're still way behind. <laughs> And you guys, obviously, as a uh, – did you say you was a, uh, an Ansys reseller or just yeah. an, an Ansys mm-hmm. partner or whatever they call it these days? Yeah, and it's chan- we call ourselves channel partners. So do open source tools come into your world at all or have you – Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting question. So outside of Ansys, we're heavy users of open source. Um, uh, and, and if I had my druthers, we'd use more of it. Um, so our CRM, our databases, um, a lot of our, our non-simulation um, tools, and non-CAD, of course, we have to use SolidWorks because that's what our customers use. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those tools, a lot of the tools we use on the 3D printing side are open source. Oh, really? Um, or, or academic. Um, so we will use a lot of lab codes. So we still do use some, some government lab codes, um, you know, that the U S government has written and that you can yeah. buy from them for kind of the fee of a, I think it's the fee of what it used to cost to put it on tape, but they've kept the, the cost oh, wow. for the download. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we do use a little bit. We, we use, um, some of the engineers more than others use, uh, open source tools around pre and post processing a little bit. Um, and, and certainly when we're writing code, we use a lot of open source tools. Uh, but when push comes to shove, um, we, you know, we use Ansys pretty exclusively on the simulation side and we haven't, um, dabbled probably since the fluent acquisition, we haven't dabbled in any of the open source CFD. I was kind of wondering whether it comes on into discussions when you're talking to customers who perhaps maybe see something like uh, open foam or something like that and think, well, can we, can we do what we want to do? Without the license cost, or I often wonder whether it's even on the radar of, of of users, if you like, as opposed to CFD nerds. It's on the. It's definitely on the 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 minds of the consultants. Um, so they're the ones that are that are you that will use. They may lease Ansys for a little while for something, an Ansys tool for something they can't do with the open source, but they'll use a lot of open source tools, or they'll use old tools where they haven't paid maintenance on it. Um, you know, just because of the cost situation. Um, now the cloud, the cloud may change that. You know, it may be cheaper for a consultant to use commercial code. But yeah, right now you're looking at a huge price difference. Um, I think the other thing that's changed, the reason why we don't see open source as much in the ANSYS world, is we've got something called the startup program. Ah, okay. And if if you're a startup, you can buy ANSYS for really cheap. Um and basically whatever you can afford. So we look at your financials, where you are in the funding cycle, and we, we negotiate a price. So where uh, a startup may have, like we were working with a company that does uh, aftermarket aerodynamics for um, cars. Okay. Um, mostly Subaru, which is very popular here. I don't know if that's big in the UK, but 
they were they were looking at using uh, off the sh- or open source tools, but we did a deal with them using the full Ansys suite using the startup uh, um, uh, package, and so they were able to get access to the full thing. And now that they're making good money, they're paying full price for their Ansys product. So th- that's I think you know I was thinking about it um, the other day. Why why are we not seeing as much open source as we used to? And I think that's it. That it was a lot of startups um, who who couldn't afford. There was just no way you could go to your your financial people and say I you know I need one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this suite of tools, and they would just laugh at you. Um, but uh, uh, now now we can bring that price way down. So I think that's been the big change. So we we do still see it with consultants. We of course see it in academia quite a bit. Um, and uh, people that are writing custom vertical applications will use open source solvers uh, as a core. Um, and, and, and yes, the CFD nerds, uh, we, we have a couple consultants that we sometimes uh, outsource to and they, they're running all sorts of things in the background. So, I mean, what, what is almost a fairly subtle change to a, a licensing terms has had quite a, a huge impact mm-hmm. on, on usage. Yeah. They seem to still be getting to grips some of the commercial vendors with the cloud and how they license usage on the cloud. Do you, right. do you think that's kind of the next the next thing? Once they've kind of figured that out, then again, it's going to be another reason why. Well, why not? Yeah, I think that that's the 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 two things that are keeping people from going from the cloud now. It used to be just the hardware wasn't there. Now the hardware's there. So, and if you're a large corporation, there's not a lot of barriers because it's your own IT department is probably more cumbersome than anything else in the world. But uh, if you're a small company. Um, the price, the price model per whatever you want to call it, if it's per hour, per CPU cycle, you know, I don't know if they've worked out what that is. That's still a barrier to entry because, because, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why we stopped using, um, solving on other people's computers and we, we called it mainframes back in the day was if I was doing a consulting job and it ran for two days and I screwed up and I had the pressure or the velocity going out instead of in. Are you giving me this? I've got the sweats now. Yeah. yeah. You can imagine, you look at your results and you're like, crap, the flow's the wrong direction. And I just spent $10,000 in CPU time. I can't charge my customer for that. They're not going to pay for that. And it's one of the things that killed mainframe rentals, uh, timeshare is what we used to call it, right? Um, so the cloud's got to come up with a more flexible solution. So when I screw up, um, I'm not paying money. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know that we're going to solve that problem uh, soon. But people are trying. We've got all sorts of schemes out there. Um, Ansys will be launching something soon called Elastic Licensing that I'll, I'll let them explain when it gets fully launched. But it's a little bit more flexible, as the name implies, on, on how you can license stuff. I know that... Um, like Altair has got their token system, which I think is very flexible uh, and gives you a lot of options. Um, it's it's the we never compete with Altair on a sale from technology. It's their tokens that always uh, get the customer's interest. It's a really very uh, cost effective thing. Um, so and I and I don't know what Siemens is doing. I really don't know, um, but they're they're having to address this as well. So I think that's I think you're exactly right. Figuring out the pricing scheme is going to be the next thing. And the other barrier is it's just a pain in the butt to get all the legal stuff done when you're running on somebody else's machine. Now we didn't, lawyers didn't get involved in this stuff 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now they're in, they're in everything. And maybe this is less in the UK, but here, you know, we have to sign 20 pages worth of paperwork just to log onto a computer. Um, So I think that needs to be streamlined to where I can just click on something and get access. 
that. Yeah, sounds a little bit like we're in the wrong business. We need to be doing the legals. I every time I'm sitting in a meeting with lawyers, I'm thinking, I yeah, they make three times as much. I mean, I'm I, not myself so much myself, but I look at one of my experts in CFD, like uh, our our lead CFD guy's name is Clinton Smith, and he's he's really good, you know, PhD, just been doing this for I think ten or fifteen years now, and he knows this stuff inside and out, and he's making one third that this lawyer who. Has, who are finding typos in his document? He's making three times as much, and we're still we're still proofreading his contract. Like ah, we should have been lawyers, but uh, oh well, <laughs> it is what it is. I enjoy. I do like going to work every morning. I don't know that they do. Well, that kind of leads me into the next one because I don't get to talk to that many consultants. So when I do, I have uh, got to the brain especially if they've been doing it for a while and they're obviously they obviously know a few uh, a few of the tips and tricks but um, it feels to me like customers are perhaps doing more of their own simulations that perhaps they might have outsourced a few years ago and that consultants need to be finding those higher value projects and doing that higher extracting that that value from the tools is is that your experience and and how do we rise up that chain yeah, I think I think two things have happened. Um, one is, the, like we were talking about earlier, the tools have gotten so much better, and the hardware has gotten so much better that they can do a lot of it in house. Um, also, uh, we the, the the reality is there's low cost providers out there. There are there are literally rooms of people in lower cost countries who just run CFD twenty four seven, and some of these larger companies, especially that want to do you know, 15 different configurations of, of some piece of geometry, they'll just outsource it to somebody in China or India. And now we're seeing other countries that are even cheaper than those where they're very talented people and they cost, you know, one eighth per hour that uh, a U.S. or a European uh, user costs. So um, that's where we've seen a lot of the low-hanging fruit go. Um, oh, interesting. Less so being done – this may be a U.S. thing, but less so being done here in the U.S. and more so being outsourced uh, to offshore. And the the engineer, the CFD analyst here is designing all the runs that he wants, but they're being done overseas um, where everything's just cheaper. Um, so we've lost a lot of work to that more so than, than in-house uh, with smaller companies. It is the, the tools are good enough to where they just don't need, don't need somebody to do it outside. Um, so yeah, we're moving up the value chain. It's either helping them be more efficient or solving these really difficult problems. Like we have one right now that's a, uh, water treatment facility and they're mixing, um, a chemical into the water and they want to know after it goes through some baffles and falls over kind of a little waterfall and, goes into a new pond what's what's the concentration look like in that pond that's really been a tough problem um and uh we got it working and and they tried to do it themselves and never could quite get it to go so those are the kind of problems that we're doing more and more of on the cfd side and and certainly on on the uh, electromagnetic and then when it comes to mechanical we only get nasty problems because <laughs> Mechanical is so much easier now than it used to. I mean, it has almost gotten to push a button type of simulation on the mechanical side. So it's got to be a nasty one to send out. So, so you, you know when they call, trying to get the headache bills out. Yeah, it's, it's, we know it's not going to be easy. And it's, it's funny. We had a, we had an aerospace customer, um, uh, who was our contact at this large corporation and he, he kind of disappeared. 
And then we got this, this just this nasty, painful job. And, it, and we, we made very good money on it. We, we spent half of it on aspirin, as you say. Um, but it was a really tough job, and, and it was a real struggle. And we did get it to work. And I ran into this guy. He had transferred to another group. And I'm like, why did you transfer to the other group? And he said, to get away from that problem. <laughs> I, I did not want to deal with that. And I'm so, I'm so sorry that you guys ended up with it. I thought they were going to drop that simulation when I left the team. But they decided to give it to you guys instead. And you were foolish enough to say yes. So <laughs> there are some bad ones out there. So that that being said, have we got any advice for somebody who's crazy enough to be thinking about starting a, a CFD company today? So maybe starting a uh, a consultancy. It's kind of the easiest business to start may not be the easiest business to uh, to continue with after you put your shingle up and say, "Give me some CFD work." But um, if somebody is crazy enough to uh, to go that route, what kind of what's the sort of key skills that they're going to need apart from being able to do CFD? You know, I think one piece of advice that I will give, and we did not follow this and, and we struggle with it all the time, is specialize in an area where you know the industry. So maybe it's maybe it's like rocket nozzle design. Yeah, you you may come from a rocket nozzle company, or you may be chemical mixing, or you may be combustion. Stay focused on what you know beyond the CFD. Um, because those are the problems that people are trying to outsource. Um and we're we're very general, so we have to pass on a lot of those or we refer them to the specialists. So if it's a one or two person shop, I highly recommend that. Just just be really good at, at the know the industry, know the terms, know the problems they're trying to solve. Turning the crank on the on the CFD is really hard to do and you got to be good at it, but it's useless if you don't really understand what they're trying to do and don't speak their language. So that's a biggie. Um I think I think the other thing is you got to learn to sell. Um and and we thought naively that we're really good at what we do. We have a lot of people know us and said, "Yeah, if you guys start a business, we'll send you work." It doesn't work that way. Um and we're nice too. They just <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You know, so you have to sell. Um and even the the companies that we work with that are that are individual contributors that are you know have their own consulting company. It's not the same thing as selling a car, but you're still constantly building relationships, making sure people know that you know what you know, making sure you, that you they know you can help them because the problem with consulting business and I'm going to rec- when I get done talking, I'm going to recommend a book that I think is perfect for this consulting business. Is um, you have to have gotten trust with the person when they need your help, and the problem is when you meet them, they don't need your help. It's six months to a year down the road where they go, "Oh crap, I need a CFD simulation on this. Uh-huh. Who knows CFD? Who do I trust to do CFD?" And if you haven't built that relationship and kept that relationship, they're going to go with somebody else. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that people go on the internet and Google CFD consulting and then get three quotes and pass out a job. You, even if they find you that way, you have to spend weeks, if not months building trust with them. Um, and the book that we learned this the hard way. And then one of my engineers said, you should read this book. I think it would have been really helpful 25 years ago. And I'm looking it up right now. Um, and it would have been brilliantly helpful. Um, it's called How Clients Buy, A Practical Guide to Business Development for Consulting and Professional Services. And it's yeah, these guys are mostly accountants and lawyers, but it's the same problem. 
And they, they really, yeah, I would have killed for it 25 years ago. I would have, we would have grown faster and had less headache. Um, the business side of things, uh, you know, if you build it, they will not come. You've got to get out there and let people know you're here, share your knowledge, build, build relationships and then get business. Um, and then once you've, once you do a good job, they come back, but getting that first job is really hard. So I'll put a link to the uh, to that in the show notes. The other thing I'm going to put a link to in the show notes is your podcast. So can you um, give us a bit of a um, an overview of what that's all about? Mm-hmm. You you've been doing that for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been two years now. Uh, I just realized that it's been two years uh, this this month. So we started it. It's funny we started our podcast because we started selling Ansys in Southern California. And we could never get engineers in Southern California to pay attention to us. So we thought, well, what do people do in Southern California? They sit in traffic all day. Let's do a podcast. (laughs) So it's called All Things Ansys. And it really started uh, early on as a, hey, buy Ansys from me, and nobody listened to it. So now it's really for Ansys users and, and, and users of all kinds. But most of our listeners are in the Ansys community or have been in the past. And we interview, like I interviewed John Swanson, who's the guy that uh, started Ansys and wrote the first uh, the, the first yeah. uh, program called Ansys. It was a structural code. Um, I'm interviewing the two gentlemen that wrote CFX tomorrow, actually, of all things. So we're, we're shifting a little bit to talk more about user experiences, tips and hints. Uh, when a new product comes out, we'll, we'll get on there and talk about the new product, um, interview developers from ANSYS, had a great talk at the Turbo Expo um, about a month and a half ago where I've got a user um, that works for, that used to be a CFX uh, developer and now now kind of is a product manager at CFX, and then a user for a consulting company in the UK about the history of CFD and how that's all gone. And it was a great talk. So we're really kind of shifting it more towards um, our thought being if uh, if we met up at a conference and we're in a bar, what we're going to talk about. Um, that's kind of our theme. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this, you should be listening to that. So the link will be in the show notes. Uh, the link to the book, everything that we mentioned, they'll be uh, in the show notes. But if somebody's particularly interested in, in reaching out for to uh, find out more about what you guys do or to contact you directly, um, website, the place to go, again, probably yep. the link in the show so, notes. Yeah. But, um, LinkedIn, is that a good place to catch you guys? Actually, for me, um, yeah. So if you want to follow myself and what I'm up to, so the, the podcast gets posted there as well as I do a weekly uh, article on the business of technology um, and kind of all sorts of crazy things in our local business journal. And I post those to LinkedIn. Uh, my, my last article that was really popular was uh, my mobile office, what I carry in my backpack when I travel around the world uh, doing, doing engineering and business. Um, and I, I carry a lot. <laughs> as you would imagine I, now that i'm not doing simulation my laptop's about a quarter the size but um i do remote in to to run ansys and fluent so um that that's a big change but anyway um yeah so it's all on there and if you just uh if you just uh, go into linkedin and look for eric miller in um p-a-d-t um is the company and you'll find me in linkedin and, and i and i accept everybody who's not trying to sell me uh um, Tupperware or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so awesome. do connect and, and check out our website at pdtinc.com and uh, would love to uh, to hear from folks and spread the word of CFD. You know, I think it's becoming main. It has become mainstream. Um, uh, when we started, um, CFD was kind of a rarefied thing, and now most of our customers that that have some sort of gas or fluid flowing do some form of CFD. So it's good to see. So at least people know what we're talking about now. 
They do. You know, we used to come in and say, we're here to talk to you about simulation. And we talk about the mechanical side and they go, yeah. And then we talk about CFD and they go, what's that? You can do that? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff of the future. Yes, exactly. Um, In fact, check out ANSYS Discovery. Have you checked out the ANSYS Discovery live tool? I haven't used it, but everything I've seen on it is kind of mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Um, it's, it's For those that haven't seen it, it is real-time CFD. It does structural as well. But the CFD is really cool. So you change a baffle, move something, um, you can see the flow change. Accuracy, you know, it's it's there. It's It points in the right direction. Um, it's I would not um, optimize my design on it. I could go to full CFD for that. But, you know, we're going to see more of these GPU-driven um, uh, solvers that give us real-time CFD. So I'm so excited about that. Yeah, it's good to have something to be excited about, Mm -hmm. especially in our space. I really want to thank you, Eric, for taking the time to come on. It's been really good. It's been a fun chat. You can tell you do this regularly. We we have fun. We we do enjoy ourselves. I, I... You know, I didn't say this when we started, but the whole reason why we started the company is we wanted to go to a place. We wanted to create a company where we wanted to go to work in the morning. And uh, we do love this stuff. It's so much fun. <laughs> so can I complain? <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Awesome. Thanks again. All right, thank you. Really appreciate it. As you can tell, Robin really knows his stuff. He knows CFD, and we highly recommend that you add CFD today to your subscriptions of podcasts to kind of keep on uh, up with what's going on in the broader CFD world. You know, we, we kind of cover uh, a little bit of the ANSYS CFD world, but he's, he's covering the whole thing. So please do take a listen to uh, what he has to offer and, and learn from his podcast. Uh, it's a, he's, a, he's a good guy. Um, we're not going to do a silly commercial again. We've, we've stopped doing those. So just as a reminder, um, do please consider PDT as your ANSYS partner if you are in the southwestern United States, including all of California. Also, please think of us as a provider for your 3D printing services, scanning, product design, and of course, simulation training, customization, and consulting services across all the physics. We are here to help. Please do send us an email or pick up the phone and uh, talk to us about what your needs are. Uh, we're we're here, here to help you do that. Also, if you are someone in the ANSYS ecosystem, uh, not necessarily a user, but you've got a product or a service you would like to advertise on this podcast, please reach out to podcast at PADTINC.com, and we would like to share um, our advertising package with you. We've put something together. We've got a couple people signing up, and we'd love to have you do a 30 to 90 minute spot or do a 30 to 90 minute spot for you on our podcast. It is a very inexpensive way to reach over 300 ANSYS users every two weeks. And speaking of 300 ANSYS users every two weeks, uh, what are the stats for 2019? So uh, as of this morning, uh, January 10th, uh, we had 16,406 downloads, which puts us at 309 per episode. And our most popular episode is still the interview we did with John Swanson at 774. And number two and three are the first episode, actually. Topological optimization was the topic, and it was our first as well. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's so popular. That's 620. And then number two is episode number three, which is uh, actually the third most popular is also episode number three, which is scripting with ANSYS customization tool. Get. So customization is always popular, and we'll look at readdressing that uh, in the coming year. We had 605 downloads of that one. 
geography-wise, 48.4% of you. For, so just under half of the listeners are from the U.S. Uh, our number one com- country outside of the U.S. is uh, Germany. Uh, Danke. Uh, that's, that's the extent of my German knowledge. Uh, 4.8% in the U.K., 4.2% in our, our northern neighbors in Canada, and 3.3% from India, and then a lot of people from all over the place. Um, we did have five downloads from Morocco last year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we have a user in Morocco, or maybe it was somebody on vacation that was sneaking in episodes while they were on the beach. We'll have to see. Uh, we will probably never know, actually. And so we thank all of you for listening, and please let others know about the podcast so we can add. Let's talk about the ANSYS stock. Today, uh, which is January 10th, as I said, uh, ANSYS closed at 268 uh, $260.80, but it peaked an all-time high during the day of $263.06. So it broke through that $260 uh, layer and went to $263.06. <clears throat> For uh, 2019, it closed um, at $143 a share. Uh, actually, take that back. January 2nd, at the beginning of 2019, it was $143 a share. That's what it closed at. And then at the end of the year, the last trading day was December 30th. It finished at $256.80. So that's $113 per share in growth. So if you invested $1,000, you bought 1,000 shares, um, you would have made a crap load of money. But if you just bought one share, you would have made 113. 10 shares, I can do that math. You would have made a thousand dollars. Seventy-nine point six percent growth. Kind of hard to beat that. The S and P five hundred of the same period did twenty-eight percent growth. So Ansys grew two point eight times more than the S and P five hundred. So it was a good year for the stock market in general, but a better year for Ansys. Looking at some of the uh, other companies in the sector, Altair, which is the closest to what Ansys does, um, they started at twenty-six. Dollars and seventy six cents, and finish at thirty six dollars and thirteen cents. So that's thirty five percent growth. So a little bit better than the uh, S and P five hundred as well. So the industry is doing well. Autodesk grew to one hundred eighty three dollars from one hundred twenty eight dollars, which is forty two percent. Dassault did also did forty one percent, very similar. And PTC unfortunately saw a little bit of a drop in the middle of the year, the second half of the year, and uh, they're down twelve percent for two thousand nineteen. Market cap wise, Ansys at that hundred. Hundred and sixty dollars a share. Two hundred sixty dollars a share. Big difference. Um, is worth twenty two point three billion dollars. Altair is worth two point seven. Uh, for some comparison, Autodesk is worth um, a little less than twice what Ansys is at forty two billion. Dassault is worth forty billion. And Dassault Systems, not the aircraft company, but the CAD company or the PLM company. And PTC, which is a PLM slash IoT company, is worth eight billion. So um, Ansys, believe it or not, back in the early days, we always thought that PTC would buy Ansys, but uh, Ansys is now worth uh, more than twice as much as PTC on the market. So how things have changed. So we'll talk more in detail about financials when Ansys puts out its numbers, probably sometime in the middle of the quarter, probably in in February-ish sometime. So uh, until then, we'll just watch the stock price go. And as I always say, you know, I don't understand why things go up and down. And and uh, the people that are buying and selling the stock don't really know what Ansys does, but they like the business model and they like the numbers. Um, And what it means to us is... um, more developers and more focus on making customers happy because that seems to be working for Ansys. They continue to help them grow. 
Um, News-wise, um, there's really not a lot of uh, ANSYS news. The, the biggest one is that um, they've been at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. So they did two press releases. They're really focused on automotive there. And one was with FLIR, FLIR F-L-I-R. And the other was with the, the folks at BlackBerry. And BlackBerry is working on the next generation of uh, vehicles. And uh, so what's next with vehicles from an electronic standpoint? So ANSYS, they're using ANSYS to do that. And then, uh, of course, FLIR is the on the infrared side of things, infrared cameras and sensors and things like that. And uh, they've been ANSYS users for a while, and they announced a more strategic arrangement between the two companies going forward. So um, two, two important announcements in that world of autonomous and next-generation vehicles. On the blog, um, there are three articles that I, that I want to point out that I think everybody should check out. One is called Using Rocky DEM. Um, that is the tool that's a discrete particle modeling tool. And so like rocks in a, in a wheelbarrow or uh, marbles uh, rolling on the floor. Uh, lots of marbles. It's really a cool tool. Um, and it's a really good article that uh, explains how to, to use Rocky um, DEM with ANSYS products. And, and basically how to get loads from Rocky DEM into your ANSYS model. Uh, I just wish we had more customers that, that needed it. Uh, we just don't have that many in our territory and we'd love to do consulting and such. So if you've got, if you're doing a coffee roaster or a rock tumbler or anything that's got a bunch of particles like, I don't know, potato chip manufacturing, uh, let us know. We can, we can model that with Rocky and we'd love to take a look at it. Uh, the second article I'd like to recommend is Firework Combustion Formula Can Make New Year's Eve More Spectacular. So one of the combustion experts in the ANSYS family uh, wrote a really cool article about how fireworks work and combustion in fireworks. Really check it out. And then my favorite of this, uh, this last couple of uh, weeks of articles is Five movies to help engineers explain simulation. So the idea being your relatives uh, have no idea what you're talking about. You talk about simulation and they picked five movies. Um, I I kind of agree with these. I have to sit down and think about it a little bit longer. Um, Some of it's more visualization and less predictive, but uh, but we won't argue the the details. Um, So in their opinion, um, the number five is Ender's Game. Number four is Ready Player One. Number three is The Matrix, which was a simulation. Oh, wait, spoiler alert. Uh, Number two is Iron Man. They do show some pretty cool stuff uh, with simulation and Iron Man. And number one, of course, is Inception, uh, because that's kind of what it's about as well. I I think all are great movies, whether they really help explain what simulation is about or not. Um, They're cool movies. On the PDT blog, we actually got a couple articles out. We got one more coming out uh, next week. Uh, the first one is defining antenna array excitations with nested if statements in HFSS. So if you are working on that 5G stuff or any kind of high-frequency electromagnetic antenna design, do check this out. Um, Seema, who's one of our experts in high-frequency electromagnetic simulation and antennas in particular, uh, wrote this really good article based on some some uh, helping some of our customers uh, learn how to do this. So do check that out. The number two was getting bulk properties for repeated structures in ANSYS mechanical and material designer. And that's from Alex Grishin. And um, basically it's looking at kind of this lattice structure stuff that we're doing more and more of. How, how do you model that as a bulk property? And um, so if you're, you're working with, uh, it's using material designer to do that. Um, 
So uh, any kind of repeated structure that you want to uh, not model all the details and turn into a bulk property. A really, really nice article. Uh, check that out. Um, very, very interesting for those of you doing additive manufacturing with lattice structures. And then we also, on our blog, launched the 3D printing glossary. It's at www.pdtinc.com slash blog, as is all these things we've been talking about with the blog. And it's basically uh, 250 words. And we actually rounded it. Uh, we, we added one more uh, yesterday. So we got the 250 words that are used in the additive manufacturing or 3D printing space um, kind of defined. We, we, we were looking for a resource to do that, couldn't find one. So we decided to write our own. So do enjoy that. Please do share it with your friends um, and help understand the world of additive manufacturing. Upcoming event-wise, uh, we've got uh, one webinar scheduled Thursday, January 16th. We're starting the year with the with a seminar entitled ANSYS Ice Pack and Sherlock for Temperature Cycling. So if you do anything with printed circuit boards or electronic assemblies of any kind, you need to check this out. We love Sherlock. It's a new product that was acquired either last year. I think it was last year it was acquired. Um, we, the more we use it, the more we love it. And of course, we've always liked uh, Ice Pack and we continue to uh, promote that. So we're going to talk about doing thermal cycling with both those tools to make sure you have more robust electronic components and electronic assemblies. Other events that are going on in the PADT world, I'll be down in Tucson at the end of the month for the AZ Photonics Day on January 29th through 31st. And I'll also mention that I'll be at the ANSYS sales kickoff meeting in Orlando. That's not for customers. It's for ANSYS channels, channel partners, ANSYS direct employees, and partners, technical partners. So if you're going to be there, if you're a listener, you're going to be there, stop on by. Um, would love to get a critical mass of three or four people to find a corner and record an episode. So uh, reach out to me if you're listening to this and you're going to be at the sales kickoff off. Um, then we're holding our 2020 Tucson ANSYS user conference on February 5th down in Tucson. So if you're a customer of ours in Southern Arizona, or even if you're in Phoenix and you want to drive down to Tucson, uh, do check it out. Uh, you should have gotten an email about that. But if not, check out our events page at pdtinc.com slash events. And I will be along with a bunch of other folks, including most of our California team off and on at the Pacific Design and Manufacturing Show slash MDNM West 2020. And uh, we'll, we'll be there for that. Stop by our booth. Um, we'll, we've, this is the third year we've had a booth at that show, and we love uh, talking to our, our users that come. So a lot of you do. Do check it out. So in conclusion, I want to thank everybody for listening once again, and we hope that you stay with us through this year as we uh, expand and grow the ANSYS world and the PADT world. Um, I also want to take a, a little bit of a, a time to talk about some tragedies that have been happening recently, both natural and man-made, and they happen all the time. I mean, every week you could find something to get upset about. Uh, right now, um, this this weekend, I was uh, actually... Uh, Wednesday, I think it was, I was noticing that the fires in Australia were just horrible. And those have impacted people we know in Australia. Um, the plane that went down in Iran uh, actually did impact people we know. There were Canadians on that plane that were friends and colleagues of people that are near to, near and dear to us. And the earthquake in Puerto Rico also impacted some folks that uh, that are from Puerto Rico. So, um, you know, we see these things on the news. Uh, try to remember that uh, when you see them, that it does affect people with, the, you know, the people that are affected by it are people that have friends, family, and colleagues, and they're impacted. And so we really want to take just a second to send out our deepest sympathies to everybody dealing with loss or displacement, not just in those three events, but in, in events in general. So that's kind of a down note, but uh, uh, hopefully uh, letting people know we're thinking about them.
Don't forget to subscribe at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in and spread the word. Tell people to subscribe. Don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 54. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.